May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Happy Friday, everybody. You are so smart. You really are. Because you're tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. And I am Scott, your host, and a man who handles his Samsung Galaxy Note phone without the required fireproof gloves or fireproof box. And with me on the air today is the somewhat less daring but highly effective man in the studio, making it all work from just outside Miramar Air Force Base in lovely San Diego, Paul B. What's up, Paul? How's it going? Good, man. Good, man. Excited. Excited. I was excited to see that Samsung now um, uh, you know, has provided a uh, – and all these editors took pictures of it – a fireproof box and fireproof gloves – to return your phone. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. Well, all those uh, Two-Face memes on Reddit aren't helping. Oh, have, man. Have you seen one of those? Like Two-Face I have. Batman holding up a singed, <laughs> a singed <laughs> Galaxy 7. I came to Dude. return this. <laughs> I came to return... <laughs> Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Samsung and some other things. Of course, they're going to make the list this week. Uh, not the good list. Uh, but if you have a question for me here on May the Best Brand Win, you can email me at scott at robertsoncom.com, and I will answer anything right here on the big show. You can also find my posts, uh, my client news clips, and other tidbits uh, on my Robertson.com Facebook page or Twitter at uh, Robertson.com. Reach out and connect you will be entertained, and I will give you some good tips, too. So, episode 30. That's what we're at, folks. Episode 30, and we are talking about uh, a failure to communicate, is what I call this show. You know, in the communications sphere, you get out your arrow, you know, you sharpen it, you put it on the bow, you pull it back perfectly, you let it fly, and, man, what the heck? You missed you know, how is that even possible? You did everything right and still missed the target. Well, it does happen. And um, actually, it happens more often than you would think. So I thought we should talk about it. I thought we should talk about what happens when we fail at communications. And more importantly, what's next? What happens uh, after we fail with communications? And of course, uh, we're also going to dig in on this show to who's winning and who's losing in the wonderful and exciting world of marketing and communications. So we're going to have a fun show today, and hopefully we're going to, you know, I really want to help us learn from, you know, learn how to be more successful by analyzing some real epic fails out there, too. So let's get right into it. I call uh, the, this first segment I call the epic communication fail. Um, first of all, you know, how do you know it failed? This is really important. I know a lot of communication programs that are floating out there in the ether where um, they may not have the sharpest measurable metrics attached to them. So, you know, you don't, you don't know if they succeeded or they failed. Uh, so I think one of the first lessons that all of us need to learn is that one of the reasons that we spend so much time on that whole um, measurement piece, um, especially in our planning phase, is we want to know, um, know when something's a failure and when it's a success. You know, like uh, in football terms, you know, um, a success is a first down. You put enough first downs together, and you've literally moved the ball 
100 yards or less or whatever it takes to get into the end zone, and you get points, right? So that's a success. The team with the most points at the end of the game wins. There's metrics. There's metrics built into the thing. There's no way you're coming out of a football game going, you know, I wonder if we failed or succeeded. You know, there's a W and there's an L. And it's infinitely fair and in all sports. All sports sort of have that. Um, you know, uh, so I'm a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan. And uh, I'm a season ticket holder. Last week I went up to the Coliseum. I saw my Rams uh, fail. Uh, you know, fail against the Buffalo Bills. They um, had come off a very, you know, some very gritty games uh, previously. And they... Um, you know, and we can learn a lot in business from sports, right? Uh, and and I think that there's a lot of good takeaways from this game that I think are very applicable to this whole topic of failure. The fact is, the Rams failed. The Rams did not score enough points to uh, be the team on top. But numbers wise, they had more yardage, more passing yardage, more rushing yardage than um, their opponents, and. Um, the uh, the quarterback of the Rams, even though he threw a um, an interception, which was run back for a touchdown by the other team, had very similar passing numbers to Tom Brady, who was ranked as one of the highest quarterbacks of the week. So if you're judging performance by numbers, you're like, well, the the Rams are pretty are pretty darn close to this, you know, to to you know to the Patriots, but the Patriots got the W, you know, and destroyed their opponent, and the Rams did not put theirs away. Um, so it is important to know what um, – but before you get into this topic and start talking about failure and success, you need to build in failure and success metrics from the very, very beginning. If you don't – and believe me, I know you're saying, well, Scott, that's really basic. That's really obvious. Would you like to know how many programs I have been a part of personally that at the end of it we're, we're going – uh, well, we, we think that was, we think that was successful. You know, I mean, don't let yourself get fall into that trap. It's easy to fall into that trap too. You need to have your, you need to have those metrics thought out. You need to make sure the client has those thought out and that you agree to them in advance, usually before the work is a good time to do it. Um, you know, failure, uh, is it's only wasted if we don't learn from it and there's a great um there's a great article in the huffington post um called four keys of, to learning from failure and i kind of like their four keys so i thought we would spend a little bit of time just sort of digging into their four keys um the first one is to uh, it says reevaluate your planning you know how much time did you spend planning uh, you know, the very best way to achieve the goal or the task before you started. How much thought did you give to anticipating the hurdles or problems that might arise and to figuring out how you would handle them? Uh, man, I see this a lot. I did a whole show on planning. If there's one mistake that I see made over and over again, it's the fact that we're too busy, we're too fast, we're too damn excited to get the words out of our mouth, and there's no plan. There is no plan. There is no, it is just a bunch of stuff, right? And if there's one weakness in the marketing profession across the board is that they just blindly execute a whole bunch of stuff and they have no damn idea why they're doing it, right? Uh, why else would people just randomly call a bunch of numbers of, of customers and talk to them about energy discounts in their area? You know what? I have solar panels. I got energy discounts. I'm cool. I don't need a million calls, you know, to let me know that. Right. If there were a plan uh, or eyeballs or binoculars or a helicopter or satellite, high definition camera, something, my satellite uh, or, you know, my uh, solar panels are not a secret. 
they are giant glass steel things on the top of my house, which are associated with, wait for it, my address, right? So if you were planning to go after people with energy problems, now, and I'm just going to spitball here, wouldn't you possibly look at a Google satellite photo of the area and determine who does or does not already have solar panels? I know. I know. It's, it's, uh, it's genius in its simplicity. But ladies and gentlemen, the planning is missing. It's missing, missing, missing. Make sure yours isn't. Make sure you've got a plan. You know? And, you know, and like I said, I did a whole episode on planning. Listen to the whole episode on planning and just plan, 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 plan. It's great. But I agree with this 100%. When you're talking about failure, one of the biggest reasons that things fail is the fact that the plan was bad. Or, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that there was no plan at all. Uh, Number two on their list is uh, to reevaluate your preparation. Again, same thing. You know, uh, one of the examples they give is, um, you know, uh, someone whose goal is to get healthy by joining a gym and going three times a week. Her plan can easily get derailed if the babysitter cancels or has no alternate child care arrangements. Preparing backup child care, child care ahead of time would allow her to get to the gym more consistently and into the habit more easily, which will increase her chance of persisting towards her goal. And that's a personal example. A business one would certainly be having backup plans for your backup plans. Um, you know, when you do event, you know, event planners are pretty good at this, right? They, cause, and, and really they get good at it because they sit through one event and everything goes south and wrong. And then they're like, well, let's put some backup plans in place for when stuff is going to go wrong. Um, live musicians out there, uh, do live musicians bring the exact number of cables that they need for the gig or do they bring doubles of everything? Yes, that is right. And why do they do that? Why do we bring extra strings? Why do we bring extra cables? Why do we bring extra picks, extra everything? Because we've all been in the situation where something failed in a, in a stressful, critical place, and we didn't have a replacement for it. And nobody wants to live through that again, right? That's failure, and nobody wants to live through that again. We were playing a festival with my band once, and we had the substitute guitar player on there. And uh, he broke a string. And we said, okay, the guitar player's got to change the string or, or whatever. He, I, I lean back over to him and I say, uh, you know, change the string. He goes, oh man, I don't have any extra strings. I went, you don't have any extra, you don't have any extra strings, you know. And and this was we, it was an hour set we were supposed to do, right? And we we're like three songs into it, so that was an unfortunate scenario right there. I had to stall on the microphone, uh, you know, and then we had to play a bunch of songs that didn't have guitar in them which is hard to do in a cover band where guitar is a key piece of the, of the whole thing. So preparation, preparation, preparation. You know what the Boy Scout motto is? Be prepared. It's not anything else. It's be prepared. That word is important. Uh, I find a lot of marketing efforts are not completely prepared um, that uh, sometimes I get associated with and dig into. And I try to bring that and say, well, are we, are we really prepared for this? Uh, the next thing is to evaluate your execu- or reevaluate your execution. Was your effort consistent? Did you experience lag in the work ethic and the motivation and the mindset? Go back and assess when and why uh, and assess when and why things happen. Really, really important stuff to really look at the execution piece. Obviously, if there's a, if there's failure, then there could potentially be a problem with the execution. Their, their fourth on their list is the focus on variables in your control. You know, failure makes us feel passive and helpless, and it leads us to believe that we'll never succeed no matter what we do or we try. But focus on the things that you can control. 
It's really, you know, and truth is you have more control over things than you probably realize. I thought that was a pretty good list and a good way to dig into the topic of failure. Now, I just wanted to, um, you know, tell a quick story. Um, I've had been associated with some some failures in my career. Uh, I've had some huge successes. I've had some big failures. One of them uh, I want to share with you because I think it's important. Um, I worked, uh, so uh, when I was working for NAM, we decided to put on a different type of trade show. It was uh, our, 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 our CEO worked with uh, the Music Education Association and wanted to put together a trade show called the Music and Sound Expo. And basically, this was going to be to leverage NAM's ability to create an, a great trade show around the Music Education Association's ability to create good content for its teachers. And it, it seemed like a pretty good, you know, win-win type of thing. Um, uh, this was this was one of the my biggest failures in Nam, and 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 uh, it turned it was it was it was really bad on just about every every uh, aspect of it. So we we began to execute the plan. We decided we're going to have a public relations driven strategy. We're going to try to invite the public into this thing, so we have a few more people walking around and making the exhibitors happy. Uh, we decided, they decided to do it in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and which is fine, you know, they, they moved the, they moved the thing around, you know, the Midwest, the upper Midwest, that kind of thing. So it was an appropriate, um, location. Now the, the cautionary tale about this, uh, you know, part for me was we, we did a lot of things, right. You know, we hired an in-market public relations agency to help us get all over TV and all over radio and all over newspapers and really kind of help us sell tickets. And we had a concert with Michael McDonald and and, um, you know, other artists, Yamaha supplied. And, and it was going to be um, it was it was going to be, a you know, a good thing. And of course, we're NAM, right? We know how to execute trade shows, baby. We you know, you know what? Trade shows are our thing. We know what we're doing. So there was a there was a bit of that as well. So we went into this show, um, and, uh, and, and, and as, as I mentioned before, I kind of, you know, hate to spoil the story, but it was a big failure. It was really empty. Um, the show was open. The uh, educational sessions were going on, and the uh, teachers were the only people who were able to really attract to the show, and they were in their educational sessions during the day. The exhibit floor was really empty. The exhibitors were really unhappy. Um, all of our public relations efforts, we were on NBC, ABC. We were, like I said, we were in the newspaper, on the radio. We were everywhere. We did everything PR. You know, we had Brian McKnight up there, you know, on the, on the TV saying, yeah, come out to the trade show it's going to be it's going to be great you're going to you're going to see all these kind of things you're going to see everything at the, at the you know at the show in minneapolis we also had uh after a very long harsh winter they had some of the best weather that they've had in the minneapolis area in a good long time and everybody decided well i'm not going inside i'm going to be outside today it was a beautiful beautiful april afternoon and um and and we did not benefit from that as well the show was a uh, was a was a huge failure uh, on and, and every metric that that we have for measuring trade shows. It was a it, it, the exhibitors were very unhappy. Nam lost a lot of points with exhibitors. Um, you know, my job as director of marketing communications, uh, you know, I did a terrible job with that show. Uh, you know, I it was it was it, all the things looked right. Everything looked like it was going to work, but you know. The, the metrics that we use to measure it, people showing up, that sort of thing, weren't there. And I tell that story because I, I learned a lot of things. 
First of all, I learned that, you know, we had a lot of indications along the way that the show might not be as successful as we thought. And we did not set the proper expectations going in, uh, you know, communications wise with the exhibitors, with any of our of our core audiences. Um, And like I said, this show failed so bad that I thought for sure that, you know, uh, that that it was over for me and Nam. I was like, well, you know, hey. And justifiably so. That's it for me. You know, it's been, you guys have been a great crowd, but that'll, that'll do it. And, but I, again, I tell you that story to let you, let you know a couple of things that I learned that I think were pretty powerful. And, and really it is a lot of things that we just, that we just reviewed in the Huffington Post piece. You know, the analysis of that really showed us how we could, we didn't end up doing the project a second time, but we really learned a lot that we could apply through all of our other various work. And we certain, certainly, you know, did not want to dive in and make the same mistake, you know, again. And I think that, you know, that's important. You know, even when you fail, even on a scale like like, uh, like we did, like I did, and, um, you know, at, during that time, you uh, you can still salvage it. You can still take lessons from it and you can still, you know, make, make something positive out of what was not a positive situation at all. In fact, anyone who saw me the night after that trade show, uh, at the restaurant knows that, uh, I pretty much just drank myself into a giant stupor. Gotta say it was, it was a wild, it was a wild night. We can learn from failure. Come on back. We're going to talk about who's winning and losing this week in marketing communications. Later. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Hey, it's Tracy Smith and Beth Venus of Girls Talk Rock right here on the Talk Radio Network. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Okay, Beth, they know that, but we want you to know that the industry pro's choice is Silver Tiger Production. STP is a full-service production agency offering sound, lighting, installations, talent buying, staffing, backline equipment, rental, and sales. Kapow! It's everything in the entertainment performance industry. It's all at... It's all that! SilverTigerProduction.com. 
May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Everybody fails, yeah. Happy Friday. You are tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. I am Scott. Today we are talking about a failure to communicate, and with me on the air is Paul B. How's it going, Paul? Pretty good. Trying not to fail here. Trying not to fail. Shaking my head at your uh, guitar, uh, broken guitar, guitar string story. Like, come on, you gotta, you gotta come, come correct at that. <laughs> Jeez, that was sad. That was yeah. sad, dude. It was. And you know, you know what? Actually, the funniest part of that story is we got. We got lucky, and I'll say lucky in the sense that, um, and I'm and I can't. I'm not making this up. But as soon as, uh, you know, he basically told me he had no strings. A cop comes on stage, and go and, and, and says, uh, "Hey man, I need to use a microphone." And I went, uh, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> not a problem." And he goes, uh, "Yeah, we got a small, uh, we got a small child that's uh, lost his parents, and uh, you know, and, and that kind of thing." And they did this whole lost child thing, which took like twenty minutes. And thank you, Lord, because we had no guitar. Uh, tell you what, it was, uh, you know, I don't know, we, we were, we lucked out on that one, I guess. But I, I, I'm uh, kind of a nerd with that. I, I bring two gu- guitars to, to gigs just for because I'm always paranoid about breaking a string on stage. And de- depending on the guitar you're playing, if you're playing a Les Paul and you break a string, it's kind of okay. If it's just the high E, you could kind of... Uh, you know, tough through it, but my strat because it's a floating tremolo. It's got springs on. You know, it's got sure. tension on both back. You you bust a string on there, the whole thing just just blows up. <laughs> it's a disaster. You're like, Ed, we'll be back. Uh, we'll, twenty five we'll minutes. In, yeah, fifteen to twenty five. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna we'll go hide. I'm gonna go hide at somebody's child in order to buy time. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was awesome that was our first year playing that festival and then the it, or, organizer came up and said i'm so sorry that, that 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 lost child thing just took up so much of your set and we're like i know i know it was a you know what we were ready we were just, we were totally ready to play at least 25 more minutes of music and we're we're very strings. angry we're angry. There's anger. And then the whole band just laugh. And we're just like, we're just like, yeah, we were so not ready for that. Uh, talk about a fail. Yep. But, well, let's get into um, the fun stuff of segment two, which is who's winning and who is losing. All righty then. So this week, let's start off in the losing category. Got to start off with Samsung. I mentioned it at the top of the show. Um they have uh, announced that they've abandoned the Galaxy Note 7 product. Uh, a lot, they, uh, I, I'm not making that up at all. There are, um, when you have to return these to Samsung, they send you a fireproof box and fireproof gloves so you don't hurt yourself or hurt the mail system in some way with sending this thing back this thing is a is a, i mean it's just the story that keeps on uh taken away from the brand you know honestly um and and the interesting news that came out uh just i guess a day or so ago was that samsung predicts that this is going to be a three billion dollar hit to its future profits and um as i said a few weeks ago could easily be game over for the brand very easily, especially since some of their other products, including washing machines, you know, have experienced some problems too and are on that recall list. And it's like, you know, 
the, the public's willing to trust you. The public's totally willing to trust you. But if you can't get it together enough to produce a product that doesn't blow up, then they're, you're going to move on from you. They're going to move on to other people like that little company in Cupertino, California, whose products don't explode. You know, that one with the great branding and all and the more money than any sovereign nation on planet Earth. That company, that's the one I'm talking about. So Samsung, you're losing. We're sorry. We uh, if you're a Samsung user out there, you know, that's on you. No, I'm just kidding. We're, We're we apologize. Sounds like Paul wants to say something. What's up, Paul? Uh, I was going to say the little company in Cupertino. Maybe their uh, phones would explode too if they didn't uh, take out the headphone jack and there's no way for oxygen to get into the system anymore. Maybe that was, <laughs> maybe that was the move. You know, I got my iPhone 7 too, and, and, uh, and I was looking, you know, it's, it's not wildly different. I mean, I have to say that, uh, you know, it doesn't have the headphone jack, but they give you a little lightning to headphone connector kind of thing. And, I mean, you really won't notice it that much anyway. Plus, most people use wireless headphones, I guess, anyway. I actually don't, but um, some people, I guess most people do. Anyway, interesting. Losing this week, and I hate to even bring it up, honestly, but I will. Uh, Corey Feldman. Oh, my God, Corey Feldman. So, a few weeks ago, Corey Feldman um, uh, debuted a new single on the Today Show, and I talked about it on this show. A lot of people talked about it. A lot of quote-unquote bullies talked about it and said that it was uh, poor music, which uh, it is. And, um, you know, but Corey Feldman decided to double down. Uh, God love him, you know, speaking of failure. Uh, you know, and and there's another one. There, there is another performance from the Today Show this week of Corey Feldman um, doing his uh, thing, his artistic thing. And, um, you know, it's bad. It's really bad. You know, know, sorry, but it's, it's weird and bad. It's, it's what bad. I mean, it's, it's awful, you know, and, and people are like, well, why does this keep, you know, showing up on the Today Show? Oh, and this is a this is a song, by the way, about America. And he's dedicated to America and unity and all the racial problems that the country is experiencing. It's like, I don't see this as a solution. I got to tell you. I've seen it. It's, uh, there's no solution coming out, coming hey, out of Corey Scott, Feldman. Scott, uh, your yeah. audio is yeah. breaking up. Uh, go ahead and uh, uh, refresh your connection. All right. Talk to Dr. Corey Feldman. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, little technical difficulties. I, I, just the mention of Corey Feldman's performance has destabilized the, our whole system here. I haven't seen the second one yet. I got After the show, I'm going to have to jump on the interwebs and, and check it out. I've seen the first one, but I haven't seen this latest one. Oh, yeah. De- def- def- I'm back. Hey, uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, after, after the show is over, I'm jumping on, on YouTube. I got to see this. Oh man, uh, I just there's there's no way after watching it that you could think of anything else but putting Corey Feldman in the losing category, and um, and it's clear to me now that the Today Show see the Today Show is not surprised that he's awful. It's just that they are getting such great ratings from him being awful and those kind of things that they're kind of exploiting the guy. To be honest, I mean it's just it's it's like 
You know, everybody just needs to stop it, and and he especially needs to stop it. It's 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 really bad, really terrible. So uh, put him in the losing category. In the winning category, I'm going to put Taco Bell. Uh, and and uh, Taco Bell has really uh, started to re. They, they had this vision for redesigning their fast food stores, right? And they there's a story in the Orange County Register this week about how they have unveiled these new designs, which. Um, these uh, four distinct designs that scrap the fast food industry's one size fits all mantra. And the design is really kind of um, fascinating when you consider it to be a fast food restaurant. It has things like um, they, they do the, the, these redesigned restaurants are now in Santa Ana, Newport Beach, Tustin, and Brea, which of course is why the Orange County Register is covering it. Thank you. And uh, they feature patios with fireplaces, communal dining tables made of reclaimed wood. Exhibition kitchens. I'm not even sure what that is. Dome light. I think exhibition kitchens. Let's throw a guess and say you you can see in. Is that the plan? Dome lighting, chalkboard menu specials, and mid-century modern lounge chairs. I'm going to put them in the winning category because it's weird, right? It's an they got they're they're getting presses press off of it, and it's like. you know, it reminds me of a. Uh, you ever see the movie? Uh, what's that movie with the uh, with with Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock? I forgot the one. And then she basically says it's a futuristic movie, and she says, "Oh, now all restaurants are Taco Bell because they won the fast food wars or something in the future." And it's like an inside joke. Well, it looks like Taco Bell wants to take that you know one step forward, and they want all restaurants to uh, be modeled after their uh, their new designs. Like I said, I'm going to put them in the winning category because it's very different. They certainly didn't have to do it. They're making a ton of money um, as it is, um, and but they're really not afraid to do something really completely different in their market space. And I think people like that need to be praised, uh, you know. And obviously, the jury's out to see if it's going to be a uh, you know a long term success or not. You know, in the losing category, next, we already talked at the first part of the show, we talked about the National Football League um, and my Rams. Well, the the National Football League has decided in its um, uh, quote-unquote wisdom uh, that they are not going to allow fans to post videos or animated GIFs you know, from the games, from the games, uh, fans are no longer uh, allowed to uh, to do that. If they do that, the NFL is going to uh, you know ban them and sue them and and do all these you know horrible things you know to them and that kind of thing. So uh, the NFL hasn't quite grasped the concepts of the sharing economy, right? And uh, nor do they have any concept of what it would take to enforce or police that. Uh, I know they're rich and all, and I completely understand that. But that's an effort that the federal government couldn't, you know, couldn't police, you know, much less them. And also, just let's say you could police it. You don't want to, and I'm going to speak slowly just for the NFL officials that might be listening, because the fans are the people who keep you alive. And if you do things to upset them... They will leave you, and you will be working at the newly redesigned Taco Bell. Are we clear? Right? Okay. This is the kind of idea that somebody floats in the meeting, and then that person gets smacked by me or someone else in the, in the, in the room that says, what the hell's the matter with you? 
Of course we want people to post. Post, 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 post. If you want to post that, that photo of Odell Beckham, do it. Because you know what you're not posting? Anything else. You're, you're supporting our brand. That's the plan. That's what the brand does. If you don't understand that, you need to turn in your business card that says that you work in the marketing department. Because you don't have any friggin' idea what marketing is. And this sounds like one of those kind of things that was created by um, uh, the marketing department probably voted against, but it was probably outruled by legal. Legal probably came in and said, oh, well, this violates the contracts and the stipulations and item 1B. Stop it. Lock those people in a closet, right? Those people need to go play in the little courtroom and shut up because you do not want, as the league, who's, by the way, viewership is down one-third uh, from last year because of the lovely and mishandled uh, you know, national anthem protest uh, scandal, which I won't get into here. But you're definitely losing if you don't let fans post videos of the things they want to post on your, on your feed. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Losing. Uh, winning this week, press releases. Um, a, a new study came out um, that basically said that journalists... Uh, that more than 40% of journalists now uh, consider press releases to be their, their, main, their main source and a good source of information to help do their jobs. Uh, that's important, too, because you'll, you'll see a story every once in a while, like in Inc. or Forbes, and they'll say, the press release is dead. Nobody uses press releases anymore. It's like, yeah, nobody uses press releases anymore except for the news media who use them on a regular basis to get the facts and the stuff that they need to do their jobs. Right. Whenever you read one of those stories, you know, you always want to go, is this real? Is this based on any data? Is this based on somebody's, you know, fleeting opinion or the fact that somebody wants to be that controversial dude who's out there saying counterculture things with no actual support? That's what I'm talking about. You know, let's go back to uh, the NFL for one second, (laughs) as if I didn't beat it up. Uh, You know, I'm going to put it in the winning category. I'm going to go ahead and put Colin Kaepernick in the winning category this week. Colin Kaepernick is a quarterback of San Francisco 49ers, kind of started the national anthem protest thingy that was, uh, that was going down. And, uh, but this week, and, and here, here's what I got to say. Kaepernick is, um, you know, he's a quarterback in the National Football League. He sort of rose to stardom with the, with the San Francisco 49ers, and then he sort of cooled off for a while. Then his, his career sort of picked up for this other reason, the fact that he was doing these, these protests and he got covered you know, you know, in all these ways. And now, um, for some reason that not a lot of people completely understand, he's going to start this week. They're going to have him start as quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, which hasn't happened you know, since like early last year, maybe the year before, something like that. Um, the last time that we played them with Colin Kaepernick starting, I think we shut him out, and I think we sat Kaepernick about eight times, just so you know. So he's not a good quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I'm excited for the Rams because first time we faced him, we lost to them, and we're going to face them again coming up here in January. I hope he lasts until then so we can play him with Kaepernick in there because that's, that's probably a win for sure for my team, i got to say. But I'm going to put him in the winning category, uh, just, just the simple fact that through this other source and this other kind of PR-driven thing, he's kind of vaulted himself back into a playing conversation, and uh, now he's going to be playing you know, this next week, which is interesting. 
Uh, also in the winning category, um, social media spending. Uh, this is really, really interesting. Um, as the TV advertising spending has really you know, s- slowed down in recent years, digital really continues to climb. And a recent study released by eMarketer shows that digital ad spending in 2016 really surpassed that of TV, which – uh, which is a result that went against the predictions they released in uh, the previous March. And most people in the marketing profession, if you ask them, shook them awake in the middle of the night, you would say, who spends the most on advertising? Yeah, or or where, where is the most spent? And you would say, oh, it's got to be television advertising. It's got to be. And usually it is. Usually it is. But um, really interesting, the fact that digital has surpassed uh, TV, it appears. The figures in the report, and this is a 2016 number, um, but it basically says that spending will on TV will be seventy one point two nine billion, and digital uh, coming in at uh, you know at just about seventy three billion, which is really really interesting, right? It's right in there, which is which is kind of fascinating. And then it shows how uh, it talks about more and more how the um, uh, how digital will continue to climb. It's a really good thing to pay attention to. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of digital advertising at all. Um, but obviously some other brands are finding some success with it. And I think that that is, um, is certainly something to pay attention to. Uh, the, the forecast, by the way, just so you, if you're a forecasting kind of person by 2020, they expect that digital will be at 113.18 billion with TV being at 77.93 billion. So not only, so the, um, the, the curve is not only the, the surpassing television, but the, but the curve is certainly up and up and up and up and up. And I believe that $113.18 billion would be a record for an advertising category in ad spending. So that's kind of interesting. That's who's winning and who's losing this week in marketing communications. Come on back. I'm going to talk to you about how to rebound from failure. I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal on stage and into the big time dropping beats shredding guitar or making the crowd roar whatever you dream pitbull audio can help make it happen we are pitbull audio we want you to play it loud pitbullaudio.com girls are talking rock again and people are listening today we're talking bands let's talk promotion Red Giant promo, graphics, EPKs, video, photos, social media, and brand building using content marketing. But let's talk studio at CCMA, which is events, rehearsal, tour prep, piano, guitar, voice, rock band, lessons, workshops, and clinics. Yeah. Bulls, proud sponsors of Girls Talk Rock. Get the lowdown on these services and contact me, Tracy, at girlstalkrock.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al Di Miola, Michael McDonald, and Al Giroux, to name but a few. 
Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. I can sing better than Corey Feldman can, yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. You are tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. I am still Scott, your host, your guide through this wonderful topic of failure to communicate. In the studio here with me is Paul B. What did you What did you like? What did you What did you dig from winning and losing this week, Paul? Uh, the football one is is pretty pretty dorky. I mean, yeah. And it, it's just like little gifts and stuff. It's not like anyone's going to be cutting into your, you know, post game show analysis. And you know, the people will still watch that. There's re- really no downside to it. I don't think. Oh, it's so bad. That's such a lawyer decision. Yeah. That's such a that's such a lawyer decision. It's like grow a spine and and have a your feet planted in what actually is possible to do. You know that sort of thing. Just another smack in the face to the fans. You know from the NFL. Speaking of the NFL. How about your Chargers last night? Wow, I'm not not really following. Uh, they they beat the Broncos. Fan. Oh, nice! They handed the Broncos their first division loss in like the last couple of years. Oh, very cool. Yeah, interesting. And and after that little heartbreaking loss to Oakland and everything like that, it was kind of interesting to see the Chargers come back and talk about rebounding from failure. There you have it. Yeah, hopefully that's uh, uh, going to be an upward slope from here. Yeah, absolutely. Always fun. Well, good. Well, in the first segment, we talked about, you know, epic communication fails, right? Uh, I shared one from my um, my history. There's plenty out there that you can learn from. Uh, we talked about football teams and how they learn from failure as well. Uh, in the second segment, we dug into who's winning and losing and Believe me, that part of the show just writes itself, folks. It's uh, it's awesome. And now, but I in the third segment, I always like to kind of turn it a little bit back towards you guys and make sure that um, it's all about you. So, uh, with that, I want to present some tips to rebound from failure. You know, should it happen to you, and it probably will. I mean, let's be honest. So, tip number one: accept it, own the failure. It's really the only way that you learn. Um, uh, one little quick psychological tip, one way that you can see if someone has a strong, uh, self-concept and self-image is how they deal with failure is their ability to accept responsibility. A strong, secure personality can accept responsibility for the things that they were a, a part of, right? Uh, um, there used to be this, um, uh, this little uh, scribbled note card on my church bulletin board that I remember from when I was a kid, and it said, um, "It said the hardest words in the English language to say are, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, right? And why is that? Why is it so hard, right? It's fear. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's absolute Halloween Horror Nights fear coming right up. You know, from our own brains about all the things that could and would happen 
if that outcome actually were our fault. But the problem with not accepting responsibility is that you do not learn from it, right? The problem with being the National Football League and the reason that you are an entirely stupid organization on such a regular basis, it's scary, is the fact that you're arrogant and don't believe that you've made any mistakes, right? Uh, the, the fan video post thing is a huge mistake. They won't admit it, that it's a mistake. You know, they didn't admit that the way that they handled domestic abuse for professional athletes was a mistake, the way they handled concussions was a mistake, or anything. Believe me, I could do a whole show on communications mistakes at that organization, uh, but that's not. My point to you is that you got to accept it. Don't be afraid. Everybody fails. Everybody fails. No matter where, no matter what they tell you or what their LinkedIn profile says or their resume says, you know what? They've got secrets. They've got a failure that they were attached to, and it was their mistake, baby. It was their mistake all the way. Hey, should we put a cheaper battery you know, in this Samsung Galaxy Note 7? Yeah, we should. Okay, good. Who's buying lunch? Who's getting margaritas at this time? You know, that's kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you know what? There's somebody somewhere that made the decision to put a, a, a you know, a battery, a cheaper battery, or a group of people that made a decision to put a cheaper battery on that phone, right? And it's their fault. It is their fault, the problems that are happening to the brand. You rise with your successes, and you accept it, and you own it when you fail. Very important. It's the only way that we learn from this little thing called life. And... um And with that tip number two, analyze the heck out of it. You know, I always talk about the balance between the science part of marketing and the art part. The the analysis of things is a gift of the science part of marketing that truly we need to spend more time doing. And I know everybody's like, oh, who has the time? Who has the time? That kind of thing, whatever. You know, people that do science for a living um, are fine with failure. They're fine if the experiment fails. They're not emotionally invested in it. Honestly, they're trying to prove it either way. So they don't care. And that is freeing. That is extremely freeing, I think, because you can analyze it. You know, did the did the mouse, you know, go to this part, did go go right or left in the maze? Well, the mouse went right. And we thought that the mess was going to go left, so we were wrong. Yeah, that's right. We were wrong. Okay, let's get over it. And now we've we've sobbed for a few prerequisite minutes. But now let's get on with it. And let's get on to the analysis. Why did the mouse go right? You know, what's going? what can we learn? What can we learn? Science is always asking the question, what can we learn? Um, they don't look at failure the same way the business world does. They don't look at it like this thing that has to be assigned blame and then the person has to wear the scarlet letter of failure for the rest of their career and that kind of thing. They look at it as a way to learn, you know, the truth or whatever will suffice as the truth in that given moment as the truth tends to change when it gets proven and disproven in the field of science. So that's really, really important to uh, to be able to you know, to analyze that failure, to get in there, you know, and and what does that look like from a marketing perspective? Okay, we've got a failed campaign. You know, we did not reach the target audience uh, with, you know, with this, we were trying to sell, um, we were trying to sell 500 widgets to this, you know, with this advertising and public relations campaign, and we only sold two, you know, well, why was that? You know, what, what happened? Did, did we, we got the message to the people? Did they go to the website? Did they click the button? Where did it go wrong? What does that analysis show us? 
approach it like a scientist. Approach it like a scientist. Even if it's your fault, we've already talked about accepting it, owning it, moving on. Now we're analyzing. We're looking at, you know, where things went wrong so that we can, um, you know, do a better job in the future, which is sort of the whole point of the whole thing. Um, Number three, a little bit back to the Huffington Post piece. Uh, We want to acknowledge our variables that are outside of our control. In marketing and communications, there are a lot because what we're trying to control is human thought, human behavior. Sorry if that is uh, blunt. Um, People are like, what? Marketing's trying to do that? You know, that is what we're trying to do, right? We Ultimately, we are after, that is the objective that we're after. Um, but there are a lot of things that can get in the way, uh, a lot of things. When you're dealing with, as I talk about a lot on this show, when you are dealing with the human mind, I mean, get ready for the Mr. Toad's wild ride of stuff you can't control because there's a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff that's deep in people's minds. Try to try to grab your favorite Trump supporter and try to convince them that Hillary Clinton's the best uh, presidential candidate this year. You know, you, you would want to stab yourself in the eyeballs many, many times before taking that assignment on. Many of you have experienced this on social media. I'm guessing you thought you would get in there and you, you realize that, you know, the, that, that you're, you, you post something that's pro one of the candidates and half of your friend feed completely freaks out on you. Some people unfriend people. Some people get angry. There's one dude that burned down another dude's house, you know, on social media because they disagreed on Facebook about something, about the the two candidates. There's a lot of stories like that out there. Um, You know, and I say that just to say that, you know, you, you don't have it within you. The marketing profession doesn't have it within them to move people that far. If somebody's already decided who they're voting for, if they're already voting for Proposition M and you come in and you're trying to change that mind, man, that's, I mean, good, Godspeed, but it's probably not going to work out. Just there's a lot of, of behavioral data in front of you that would show you that that's probably not going to work out for you. Certainly not with one touch and certainly not with, um, without some type of major event going on to shift that uh, that behavior. We could talk about that on another show, uh, you know, uh, how you how you move people down the chain um, from various uh, behaviors. Um, it is a process, by the way. Uh, nobody does it quickly. Nobody does it immediately. It um, especially when you're when you get into really deep, deep stuff like things that their parents taught them, they may agree with it and not completely understand why. Right. Uh, just like you buy Arm & Hammer baking soda and you don't completely understand why either. Uh, There's a lot of that. And again, there are these forces that are sort of outside of our control. So acknowledge them. List them. These are the things that we can control in the experiment. These are the things that were outside of our control. You know, in my example of the trade show earlier, you know what? We had a beautiful day in, in Minneapolis. Could I control that? You know, I don't have a weather machine. I have a lot of gadgets. I really do. Uh, most of them just compress and put chorus on my bass, to be honest. I have like three different compressors, I got to say, which you don't need, but I have that. And, you know, these variables are outside of our control. The weather is one of them. You know, human, you know, human choice is another one. You know, there's all these kind of things. Tip number four, you know, after you fail, you know, rebounding, 
don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. Let's uh, let's use the Rams example for or, or any NFL example, but I'll use the Rams because let's face it, it's my team and I'm an expert on it. So, um, uh, Case Keenum throws a, a pick six interception, run back into the end zone for touchdown. Rams get the ball back immediately. What's the first play that they that they throw? Right? Would, is it a running play? You would think maybe it would be right running play. Let's just change it up. Let's do something different. Nope. Not at all. The Rams aired it out to the exact same side of the field to that exact to the to the exact same thing, and they did that. That's a statement move. That's a statement that says, "Yeah, we failed, but now we've got a second. We got a second chance at this, and we're and we're going again." Right? I think that's important. I think it's important to not. It's very easy, humankind, for us to kind of fall back into our comfort zone and say. Um, well, you know, let's play it safe and let's not do anything. You know, we, we we had this big failure and let's let's not uh, let's not try anything again because it might fail again and that kind of thing. That is exactly what you don't want to do. You absolutely want to air that football out again. You know, now you never want to do it exactly the same way. For example, if the cornerback is got the inside lane on your receiver, that's a good time not to throw it. That's a really, you know, that was a poor decision. And if you are going to throw it, you throw it as a lob up over his head, right? You don't dart the thing in there. So so never do it the exact same way after you fail. You always want to shake it up. But, you know, take the shot. Take the shot. It is really, really important that you do that. So the last, the last thing that I want to I want to mention is you know log your failure you know make sure that others can learn from it document it uh, that is exactly what science does if you uh, know anybody that does as a researcher or scientist for a living you'll see that they sort of have built their uh, experiments and their research typically on those who have come before them uh, we need to do that in marketing as well we don't do it enough. We need to make sure that we are documenting. You know, we celebrate success in marketing, but we don't learn from failure enough. And the reason, and and you can you can see it. You you can see the fact that marketing doesn't learn uh, from its mistakes. You know, marketing doesn't learn, by the way, that it shouldn't profile people, that it shouldn't, you know, creepily send the same ad to people on different web pages. Marketing hasn't learned that it shouldn't bother people in their homes on the tele on the you know on the telephone, that it shouldn't send unsolicited email, that it shouldn't send unsolicited regular mail. It marketing hasn't learned. It hasn't learned. You know, we as a profession haven't learned. Uh, Seth Godin had a great, great thing today in his um, in in his uh, blog that I thought was just was just so so strong. And he basically said, um, "Let me see if I can if, let me see if I can pull this up because I I actually saved it because I thought that it would be a, a good one to discuss today." But it talks about cutting through the clutter. Uh, by the way, Seth Godin is such a good blog to read. He does such a magnificent job in so few words of just really communicating uh, powerful ideas. Dude is a modern marketing genius, without a doubt. Um, so here's what he says. And this will sound like me, but really he kind of said a lot of the stuff first. Cutting through the clutter. You're trying to get through all the noise and the distraction and the clutter with your message. Here's the thing. You are the noise and the distraction and the clutter. 
just because it's important to you doesn't mean it's important to us. It is, of course, in the eye of the beholder. Instead of creating a campaign that somehow cuts and invades, consider creating a product, a service, and a story that we'd really miss if we could not find it. Man, that's saying it, right? Talk of a marketing profession, listen up. That is the way to talk about it. That is the way to do it right there. And, and we don't know this stuff if we don't log it. You know, we really don't. It's really, really important to do that. Uh, document what you're doing. You know, make sure that people can follow your work. Make sure people understand that, um, you know, if they go at it this way, maybe it works. Maybe it does not. You know, sometimes we try, we risk, and we come up short. You know, sometimes the, the defense just can't stop that running back. You know, sometimes we throw an interception and it gets run back for a touchdown. Sometimes we lose. Sometimes we fail. And you know what? We show up the next Sunday smarter, tougher, more powerful than ever with knowledge about how not to fail. And that is what's going to lead our marketing efforts to their ultimate success. You know, and that is what's going to keep us out of the losing column on this particular radio show as well. So. You know, I leave you with this. You know, all of our lives, we've been learning, growing. And if you, if you let it, that process never has to stop. I think that is what we're supposed to do. I think that we are supposed to get better and better and better and better. And we don't want to let our petty fears of failure uh, keep our marketing in the safe box of boring, ordinary communications, just like everybody else. So get out there and fail, kids. That's it for me, marketing fans. Until next week, this is Scott Robertson signing off for May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. We'll see you next week. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. Hi, this is Tim Dolbear from Eclectica Studios. I'm a full-time mixing and recording engineer. I work with Grammy winners, labels, and indie artists using state-of-the-art digital mixing and restoration tools and the very best in analog gear. Really, though, it's my ability to bring tracks to life and fulfill your vision for your music. This has made me sought after by producers and artists worldwide. So spend your time working on music and not chasing a mix down a rabbit hole. Go to timdolbear.com and check out our free one-song mix offer. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time dropping beats shredding guitar or making the crowd roar whatever you dream pitbull audio can help make it happen we are pitbull audio we want you to play it loud 
pitbullaudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on?